to the edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kill Guard Studios. What is up, Bass Edge Nation? We Bass, Bass Edge Radio is back. Back for another episode. That's right, this early February edition of the program. And we talked about it last episode. Things were starting to kick off for the 2024 bass and season. But let me tell you what, it's just about in full throttle. We still haven't kicked off the Elite Series yet or the Invitationals, but they are not far behind. Man, we've had a lot going on these last uh, two weeks, really, is is what it comes down to, man. You don't want to miss an episode of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure that uh, you're subscribed to this YouTube channel if you're listening here on YouTube. Otherwise, make sure that uh, you're getting those notifications on all the other uh, pod stream platforms that are available. And of course, before we jump into the action, always remember that Bass Edge is possible from MegaWare Keelguard. That's right, Keelguard providing boat odors protection from grinding salt, abrasive rocks, and boat ramps. Concrete boat ramps, that is. But uh, don't go without a Keelguard. And as promised, we alluded to this uh, a couple episodes ago. But uh, here is the man. Hella Bass, Rich Lingren. Rich, thanks for joining us for another episode. We, we've got uh, full encompassing bass junkies now on the program. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I, I must have passed the, the pilot. I didn't get uh, didn't get like too <laughs> ravaged in the YouTube replay comments for like, who's this guy? Get rid of him. So here we are back for episode two to talk more absolutely. tournament junkie stuff. Absolutely. And, and the funny thing about this is no one saw my face for so many years, right? I mean, we've been doing this podcast since uh, 2007. Bass Edge has been on the airwaves, but uh, I've been behind the mic since 2012. And all of a sudden last year, we start this YouTube thing. And um, it's it's been a fun ride. We're still growing that YouTube channel. So it's uh, it still gets so many streams. But you guys need to check us out that are streaming on other podcasts. You need to see what Rich looks like. He looks like a bass and junkie, right? I, I got a face for podcasts. <laughs> That's a, I, I got a face for radio. <laughs> Not so sure about YouTube, but here we go, man. Um, man, we, we have had uh, four big events over these last two weeks. Let's start breaking it down. Let's jump right into this thing. The MLF Bass Pro Tour on Toledo Bend, the first major tour event of the year. Dustin Connell, a name we've heard many times. I think this is his fourth MLF win. Of course, he won an Elite Series event before he jumped from the BASS Elite Series to Major League Fishing and that whole split we had uh, four years ago. But uh, pretty handedly stomped it up on the championship day. 112 pounds, 40 pounds over Spencer Shuffield, who was in second place. Kind of exciting. I got to watch this uh, live there on, on MLF website, nearly half of his fish in the third period. It was kind of a jump around. Drew Gill, Shuffield really wasn't in it, and he really came up the third period, but Dust Connell, man, just blew it out. Rich, what's your take on the Toledo tournament? Those definitely interesting things. Obviously, uh, BPT got a ton of flack for not airing the first two days of the uh, qualifying rounds. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, they announced that, but I don't think people realize that. And that that 
that went over like a lead balloon on the the message boards and social media. Yeah. And honestly, like a little bit, like they would have been the only thing on TV for or on, on internet or live streaming for right. like three days until the MPFL started. Yeah. So odd choice. Won't go far, all too far down that path. Uh, there was. What did you think catches. about the fishing ash aspect? Yeah, of it, yeah. As so far there was some big catches went down. Yeah, and some shallow catches, but ultimately the guys that were just fishing couldn't keep up. It was an utter scope fest. There was spinning rods everywhere, live scope, forward facing, active target, whatever. Right, like, and mostly spinning rods, a few jerk baits. It was not much diversity. It all looked the same. Dustin Cannell did it better than anybody else, even though Spencer Sheffield, from my understanding, was talking a pretty big game in the knockout round that he could pretty he much catch 200 if he wanted, and it didn't yeah. come true on the final day. Yeah, he talked about a lot of bait movement really uh, hindered his areas, and mm -hmm. um, although there were still some fish around, and it seemed like the, the bite improved on that championship day as time progressed, you know, Connell had his big period, the third period, it was kind of back and forth a little bit between Zach Burge, uh, Drew Gill, uh, and Connell prior to that. And then all of a sudden Spencer and, you know, he solidified second place by a couple pounds, but Connell just, just went crazy. And, uh, agreeing with you scope fest live target, however you want to call it mega live, I don't know if it was shown mega live much, but definitely the the live target and, and the uh, Garmin uh, live. Uh, my understanding is they only have the technology to display hummingbird and and they 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 were showing Garmin. The Garmin they don't on, have on technology to do the Lorance right now, right? I think is that is correct. That is correct. And um, it was a jig head minnow fest. <laughs> if you look at the uh, top ten baits, it, the only exception I believe. Is Zach Burge through a jerkbait jerk primarily? Yes, that is mm -hmm. that is correct. So, uh, man, I thought I thought overall uh, it was a fun event to watch. I love watching people catch fish. I think MLF probably does a one of the best jobs on recurring fish catching. You know, they just catch a lot of fish. It's always on the scoreboard. I like that. I uh -huh. don't like the blowout. Uh, the blowout, kind of a bummer. Um, the scope fest, eh, kind of a bummer. I remember there were some guys catching them pretty well in, in the early rounds, flipping. Uh, I remember Casey Ashley had a very good first day flipping. Kind of fell apart on him a little bit the second day. He didn't make the championship like, yeah. round. Cro Crochet caught a, an 11-pounder on a flat side. Yes. Kind of. Uh, Defoe had a couple cool catches on a buzz bait, yep. but that stuff just didn't 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 hang. And that was the that's the neat thing about you know the the round one and two and and uh, you get to see all these different patterns in play of how someone could go out to Toledo or or maybe their local lake and replicate some of these patterns and have a good time. But uh, when it comes down to it, if you're in a tournament strategy standpoint and uh, you weren't throwing a jig head minnow Toledo Bend scoping around, then uh, you were probably doing. Um, not the best strategy for the all you can catch and weigh. But maybe if it was a five fish limit, totally different deal. What do you think about that? I mean, the every fish count sadly made crochet's eleven pound irrelevant. In a five fish yeah. tournament, there's no way to make an eleven pounder irrelevant. That's correct. You know? Yeah. And and I saw a couple other five fish bags that were in the low twenties. Um yeah, that, and, and crochet had twenty irrelevant. with four fish. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting how the MLF BBT went down. Uh, it kind of goes back, makes you think a little bit about the five fish versus all you can catch. Um, understandably, they made that decision uh, based on their interpretation of viewership analytics and that's why they went back to all you could catch but uh a fun event to watch overall i think there was a lot to learn for the weekend angler the regional tournament angler about how to go out catch fish in a pre-spawn well i'll even say more winter oriented time and and seasonal behavior pattern um final note from that event newcomers in the top 10 three of them Three newcomers in the top ten, Drew Gill, Justin Cooper, and Martin Villa. Um, the new school makes a dent in the first Bass Pro Tour event of the year. So I thought I, I, I did like to see that. Yeah. I mean, Cooper, he's a Texas guy. Uh, yeah. It's not real surprise there. He's he's done well in five fish events yeah. uh, on the bend. Uh, I don't know a ton about Martin Villa. Um, Martin's from Virginia. Yeah, yeah, he's from so Virginia, like, kind of a river river guy. He, yeah, he that's what I well thought. On the yeah. James and the Potomac, but uh, let let me say that Martin has not showed a whole lot of weakness in two years on the mm-hmm. Invitational circuit. So interesting. Yeah. And then Drew Gill is a he's a self proclaimed. He looks for the scope bite everywhere. He, I mean, he was scoping him on lacrosse for. Right. I mean, like that's his deal. So uh, for the scopers and the all you could catchers, if you're playing fantasy fishing, you might want, you might want to look at Drew Gill. Come on. Although their next stop is Santee, uh, well, should you know March at Santee? We'll, we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But uh, that I, I should say February at Santee. Um, looking at that, it, uh, yeah, a little shallow. I mean, the thing scope. we're learning is it plays everywhere. It's just a matter of whether it's going to dominate or not. And we're going to get into that, how it plays everywhere, because uh, the Bass Open at Okeechobee, very interesting. But before we get to that event, let's move on to what uh, we would consider another major event that, that's occurred over the last couple of weeks, the NPFL, National Professional Fishing League at Lay Lake. Uh, Will Harkins gets the W. Young angler, I believe he's 22, 23 years old out of Georgia. This is the second season on the NPFL. Finished second in the Angler of the Year last year with two second-place finishes. So, breaks out in 2024. And one of those was on a tiebreaker, I think he lost, on Ufala or something like that. I think so. Wow. So, breaks out 2024 with the dub. How about that? Yeah. I mean, obviously, he proved that he was a force to be reckoned with. I think he almost won the season finale. He was right in the mix uh, on that event that I think Patrick Walters uh, ultimately won. Yeah. I mean... Will Harkins, Alabama, spotted bass guy, uh, no surprise there. Good to see a young angler prospering. This, right. of all the events we're probably going to talk about, this was the one that was least impacted by forward-facing sonar. They were actually <laughs> cranking uh, flat sides and square bills and things like that and throwing some jigs. A lot of bank fishing, actually, uh, in this tournament. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, we saw David Fritz cash a, a nice check, which he hadn't had a whole lot of success on the Elite Series over the last several years. So, cranking David Fritz hand in hand, he cashes a check. Uh, Got to certainly throw out the three Elite Series anglers crack the top ten in this event. Buddy Gross, Kyle Welcher, Joseph Webster. So, uh, immediately um, some crossover guys 
making an impact in the MPFL, which, by the way, this was their first 125-man field in their third year of existence. So they are growing from an And then on top of that, right, a lot of those names that we talked a month ago or whenever we talked, right, yeah. the David Williams, the J. Todd Tucker, the Pete Pons, uh, a lot of those guys cash nice checks. They did. Uh, they did well in this event. So. Jay Todd also in the top 10. Good, good point yep. there. Former Elite Series angler and MLF Pro Circuit. Uh, Pete Pons was 14th. I mentioned uh, David Fritz cashed a nice check. Um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't see where, I didn't, I guess I didn't catch where Biffle ended up. Wasn't so, but yeah, I, I didn't catch that one either. Um, but uh, th- those guys making an impact. Certainly, certainly. MPFL, interestingly enough, um, you, you had mentioned this kind of in our pre-show talk. Not a whole lot of media out there with this event so far. They had some coverage, obviously, during the event, live weigh-ins. The Luke Duncan uh, piece with the studio with uh, Fat Newton. and um, But eh, maybe missing a little bit of opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like... I was kind of looking to to catch up and kind of double check some of the things. And I, I couldn't find a lot of video recaps or clips on YouTube or Instagram, which was a little disappointing. They got an article that's nicely done and the standings are up. And then uh, the fact that Tommy Biffle was actually 23rd. So, yeah. 23rd. Another 10. <laughs> but another, uh, I think it's a 10 grand check going to another. Yeah. Another one. So good. But uh, good yes, him. I think there's room for improvement. I think they have a good product. Uh, and it's a shame because. Obviously, we're not going to get into this, but there's a lot of people that don't like to watch scoping, or at least the vocal ones are very yeah. vocal about it on social media and, and, and boards and things like that. So I think MPFL is maybe missing out by not being a little more accessible because uh, they could have probably won some share of audience in this uh, Logan Martin event. Agreed. Agreed. Let's move on to the next event. Uh, from my perspective... Uh, although I was fishing an event, we're going to talk about the Juan Bass at Lake Shasta here in a moment. But from my perspective, maybe the most exciting event to watch um, of of the uh, kind of opening couple weeks of the season. And that was the Bassmaster Open on Lake Okeechobee. Scott Martin sets a new three-day record, 90-plus pounds, 15 bass over three days 90 pounds. That's ridiculous. Probably would have bust the 125. I don't know. You know, probably yeah, sport is weird, right? You can go like yeah. 30, 25, 30, and go 10 the next day. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That like, is <laughs> true. <laughs> that is so but. true. Um, tight quarters out there. Saw some drone shots. 60, 70, 80 guys, like in that Harney Pond area, uh, Okeechobee, the water was up, and um, the fishing obviously was good, pretty good for Florida, especially in February, where, you know, end of January, early February, where it's prone to cold fronts. They, they had some cold in practice, but man, they had a warming trend during the tournament that helped them hit it right, I feel like, um, but the the story the underlining story that really wasn't shown in the articles or things shown on Bassmaster as much I did not get to see the live on day three but scoping betters live target scoping whatever forward facing sonar betting bass was a huge deal in this tournament. Um, for some, that's going to be very disappointing. <laughs> For some, it's going to be very, very intriguing. Um, 
But, man, you know, we're seeing Ford facing Sonar going from this deep, you know, kind of Toledo bend, which we knew that would kind of play wintertime, bait-oriented, summertime bait-oriented, to starting to make this new push into shallow water fishing and really had a big impact at the at, at Okeechobee. Couple couple of takeaways. I, I kind of watched a little bit of the FS1, a little bit of the Bassmaster Live. I'd say roughly the top 10 was like a third, third split. You got guys like Tharp and McMillan that just went out and did Florida things. They threw chatterbaits and frogs and flipped and like, you know, probably used their mapping in their 2D to, to get right. But they kind of <laughs> used their history and, and knowledge of Florida to do really well in this tournament. And okay. then you've got <clears throat> basically about a third of the guys that were in the top 10, the Tucker Smiths, the, um, and, uh, the kid from Minnesota, I can't think of his name right now, uh, from Montevallo that won the, the college bracket. I've had him on my show. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, just like, uh, Let, yeah, look that up. Let me say Tucker Smith going to be our feature angler spotlight in this episode. So right, right uh, after Rich and I get done breaking down some of these tournaments, we're going to talk to Tucker about what he did at the big O, how he broke it down. Uh, a little bit about his young career and and things that he's seeing entering the industry as a uh, you know predominant uh, I guess maybe favorite to do this thing full time and and maybe a guy we see uh, for many years to come on some of the higher tours. Did you capture that name? The uh, other uh, Eastern Fathergill was the name Eastern I couldn't pull out of. Fathergill uh, so didn't he win the college? Deal yep, college last bracket. Year? Yeah, in, in yep. Kansas. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And uh, Smith. so. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, Oddly enough, yeah. College guys making a, but there was a, a certain segment of the guys that anglers that were fishing the canals, mm-hmm. doing the traditional scoping, hanging yes. minnows. Uh, I mean, they were using a little bit heavier lines and bigger baits, but honestly, using the, the traditional vertical, uh, you know, front facing sonar settings. And then you had about another third, which what Scott Martin largely was leveraging and a few other guys is the perspective mode. Yes. Um, and they had some really good footage that they were able to share on the screens during the live coverage where you could see like the little reed clumps or the bare spots or the whatever. And you could see them fish paired up and look, and they just basically were sight fishing without looking at them, but looking at them using their sonar in perspective mode. Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. and that's how a lot, and, and Scott, to his credit, he did not have some honey hole. He was r- my understanding right in, in the, the middle of the crowd in Harney pond. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like if you listen to Matt Pangrak on BTL and other like he watched most of it go down, uh, he just did it better than everybody else, yes. which is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and I think that's the one thing is that Bass Live going on uh, Saturday for the opens for all nine, which we touched on last time is a great opportunity that didn't really reflect how tight that field was during the first two days where every I mean, like 90 percent of the field was in two or three spots and it was literally bumper to bumper and then they had co-anglers right so not only do you have guys fishing out of the front of their boats but they've got co-anglers so like when you're boat to boat then you guys you got a co-angler throwing a chatterbait you're trying to fish this i mean like i if that had to have been just i mean like i think you heard guys talk about it like they get into an area and they put their poles down or their anchors and they fish for a half an hour and they move 10 feet and then because that's all they could move and then they you know there'd be another boat right next to them so yeah. it's wild the, the interesting thing is you didn't have to move 10 feet to see four, five, six, eight bass. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was the thing that a lot of them were kind of shocked about because I think a lot of them 
had never really i mean they've, they've dabbled with perspective but they were forced to just like hunker down right and they're like they couldn't believe with that many boats how many bass they still saw swimming around consistently and how that there was even more bass there on day two than there was day one after these places had 50 to 100 boats sitting in them right on top of them all day and, and i think part of that was the weather too right i mean they had that cold front which if if you know a whole lot about florida or do not um the the interesting aspect of florida is when it gets cold just soon thereafter is when a big wave of spawners will come so they they had that cold practice and then all of a sudden some fish started coming and then more fish started moving up shallow and and that's in my eyes why they saw more on day two than they did on day one when it was already you know what what you would have thought obliterating so. and the fact that just that pressure didn't really keep them from coming in yes yeah certainly we're learning more and more and more about fish behavior with with these elect this, this new stream of electronics over the last three four years so uh it's it's um it's different exciting for that pers- you know thought process but uh I, I know it gets you know maybe some good some bad reviews so <laughs> we're gonna stay away from that but um all right so that was that was the deal on the bass open and uh tucker smith leads the eq uh, events uh, now after one uh, Scott Martin punches his ticket to the classic gets gets his opportunity to uh, create that legacy with the Martin name so I know that he's super excited as well we're gonna try to get Scott on here over the next week or so and uh, kind of break down exactly what we talked about fishing in the crowd fishing using your live scope his knowledge of Florida bass fishing and how that might be able to parlay into knowledge of your own lake at, at your house and and when fish start making those moves from pre-spawn to spawn so we're, we're hoping to grab Scott again and get him on 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 the uh, on the show here in the next week or so um, here we go the last event that I and I was actually a part of this event and and it was great to see bass fan give some coverage to all of these events mpfl was lacking some media from from some primary bass fishing media partners over the last year and a half um juan bass uh, western outdoor news has now has a a large five for for the west coast a big five event circuit that has uh partnered with bass and that there's the the uh bass nation championship qualifiers coming out of the west too so it was a a fun and exciting event over there at Lake Shasta in Northern California. Dude, weather was crazy. I'm going to give you a glimpse of that here in a second. But Nick Wood won the event with 47 pounds. Interestingly enough, obviously Shasta, a spotted bass fishery primarily. Same weight that was won at the spotted bass fishery on Lay Lake with the, uh, or excuse me, Lake Logan Martin with the MPFL, also 47 pounds. So kind of interesting there, but, um, the locals crushed it out there on, on the, um, Lake Shasta event, the Sacramento river being a big part of that. Uh, but let me give you some insight, Rich, to some of the big bass numbers out there. Okay. Uh, so they pay a big bass every day of a thousand dollars and up to uh, two other spots of $500 a piece each day for, for big bass. But uh, here's some numbers. 531, 5.50, 5.54, 6.09, 6.97, 6.81, and a 788. Dude, we're talking about some good 
spotted bass out there at Lake Shasta, something I think really hasn't been brought to a national level, but that is that area of the country, Bullard's Bar, uh, Trinity Lake, some of those smaller fisheries out there that we saw this explosion of big spotted bass and record spotted bass about three to five years ago. Right. Um, so very, very interesting how, how that whole thing went down. But uh, it was it was fun as far as you can get bit a lot out there. Rich, let me show everybody um, this little clip. I'm just going to show a little. crazy hail rained every day uh we got out of there just before the the uh you know mudslides and all that stuff hit southern california so it was uh it was an interesting derby but man you can catch a ton of fish there at Shasta. i don't think i went a day where i didn't catch 20 bass uh whether it was practice during the event so uh do you do you all have many spotted bass up there in in uh, i think in the... the range of spotted bass kind of Tops out at like Southern Iowa. Southern like Iowa. Some, yeah. So they got them on the Mississippi in Iowa or? No, they're yeah. more in like some of the, I think they got planted in some of the reservoirs in Southern Iowa from my understanding. But yeah, the Mississippi River, I'm sure somewhere down there. I mean, like obviously they're in the Ohio. So, but for whatever reason, they're not, they're not coming up the Mississippi that I'm aware of. Gotcha. Um, I mean, obviously I've been to like, the Ozarks and, and other places in the country and caught spotted bass, but right. yeah, nothing, nothing can't target them up here in Minnesota. Gotcha. gotcha. Well, it's, it, I think they're a fickle fish, probably one of the most fickle out of the three between, you know, large mouth spots and, and, uh, small mouth. Um, they, they can be feisty little fellers. <laughs> so it's, a, I think that's where you get these guys, uh, maybe like a Tucker Smith and Tucker used to be really close with Aaron Martin. Any of these guys that stick on these spotted bass fisheries and that's their home lake, they're great with not only power fishing, but also finesse fishing. And I feel like that is a tributable to that whole spotted bass game because it's it's a little bit different, I feel like, than the smallmouth, largemouth game for sure. Um, all right, let's move into our next event. Rich, come, it's actually going on right now as folks are watching this. Uh, we're, we're taping the day as it begins, the day before it begins. Uh, that is the Invitationals on Rayburn. A quick preview of this, uh, a 1382. <laughs> 13 and three quarter pound share a lunker caught in practice by Alec Morrison, friend of mine, friend of the show. He's been on Bass Edge. He actually won the uh, Toyota series last spring, summer, or excuse me, spring, winter uh, there at Sam Rayburn. So that's, um, oh, that's a that's, he blew it out. He did blow it out. Historic. So I was going to say, if that out. name sounds familiar, it's because some kid from, Vermont or wherever he's from he's, came he's down from to uh, Rayburn and kicked yeah. everybody's teeth in out of nowhere. Yeah, he is, he's from New York and uh, he's a Champlain guru, uh, but he loves also forward-facing sonar. I believe that was uh, uh, part of his strategy last year. It'll be interesting to see. We've had some warm weather here in Texas um, over the last four or five days after some cold, uh, you know, reports that i'm getting from the water is fish are on the move um i'm not sure someone's 
you know, I think in the top 10, you might see some deep, you might see some shallow. It's going to be interesting if the scope plays for the deep better than the fish moving toward the shallow. Like, can you target less fish out deep, but because you're scoping them and see them a little bit better, outduel the shallow water grass guys in this event? Um, what's your take there? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm I don't know the answer. <laughs> like, right, and right, I, right. I, okay, let me ask you a question. What is the grass situation on Rayburn versus Toledo Bend? Uh, grass situation on Rayburn is much more prolific than Toledo Bend. Okay. Absolutely. That'll definitely now, help the non-scopers for sure. Yes. Um, so, but it'll be interesting to see, cause you kind of mentioned it. It really seemed like Toledo Bend was predominantly in a winter pattern. Yeah. And so will this, you know, five plus day warming trend start to get them into a pre-spawn mode instead of a winter which then would make this event a lot more wide open and potentially a lot more interesting for those that uh, aren't fans of, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier. Yes. Yeah. So I guess, you know, if you're fancy fishing MLF, you might want to hedge your bet a little bit, but you probably should still have some scopers on your squad. I'm guessing it's, it's going to play right. just a matter of dominate, or is it going to be more of like a, a 50, 50 type deal? Right. Right. I, I didn't really plan to bring this up, but we got a couple extra minutes. Um, you know, as you, I, bass junkies in general, we watch everything. Uh, we, we like to talk about it. We like to watch it. We, we digest it, you might say. But, uh, man, I saw, a, uh, I saw the Bilge podcast with the uh, MLF polygrapher. Uh, mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Kind of an eye-opening deal there. Um, we, we've talked a lot about some successes that MLF has had over the last several years. Uh, some struggles uh, in every every tour does um, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that was the most interesting um, you know breakdown of uh, rumors that we've heard through MLF about um, you know fuzzy things <laughs> going on over there yeah, and I, I got to listen a little bit of it, and they were just starting to get into it. I didn't, I didn't, I'm probably not far enough into it. I was, I really only got to the part uh, where he was talking about like, what does it really mean? The plus two, minus two, plus three, like, you know, what's a pass, what's a fail, what's inconclusive. So right. I didn't get it's, in, it's on my uh, watch later tab you on do. YouTube. I just did. <laughs> There's so much content and so little. I mean, uh, you know, day, sometimes life gets in the way of uh, digesting bass fishing information. <laughs> right. Well, if we can spin it out a little bit more, maybe we can we can just keep digesting it and spin it back out for everybody because it's fun one to thing break that kind down. of surprised me is like, how did all three of those tournaments end up on the same weekend? How couldn't somebody have went the weekend before? Like, yeah, what a major advantage for like let's say the MPFL if they could have bumped their opener up one week and went live before Bass Open and BPT. I don't. It just seems like. Between the three of them, that was a miss to all be trying to start on the same weekend. Right, right. Yeah, I, I've heard that uh, MPFL really tries to obviously keep their stuff off the Elite Series. And, uh, you know, they're trying to attract more anglers in that respect. 
Uh, it's easier to track, in my opinion, elite series angler because they're just on the water a little bit less than, than the MLF guys because of the lengths of the events and, right. and all those things that are going on. So it just kind of works for their schedule a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to watch. Like you said, there's, there's a lot to digest. Uh, we appreciate everybody being here on Bass Edge, digesting it all with us. And uh, don't forget to check out Rich's YouTube channel, Hella Bass. And um, his social media, always great, great information there. And, man, we got lots of events coming up. We're, we're going to have to have another episode here at the end of the month, uh, breaking down several more events. Obviously, this Rayburn Invitational that is going on now. Don't miss that. We've got the Toyota Series coming up at Gunnersville. Uh, Wachita coming up with the Opens. And Santee Cooper coming up with the Bass Pro Tour. And then back to Rayburn. God, that place gets pounded for the MLF uh, Toyota Series. So uh, th there's there's going to be a lot to take out. Rich, before we jump off with you and, and kind of get to our, our next segment, you got any final thoughts for the listeners moving into what will be, you know, mid-February in the north? Uh, you guys still cabin fever up there, I assume. Because I, I actually saw, let me say this, I loved your video with the uh, new six cents swim bait and the hangover uh, <laughs> and the, the idea of how's it going to react in the water, but yet yeah, couldn't get it in the water. <laughs> yep. We, we might have record ice out though here. It's been crazy. We, we had such a late ice up here. We literally, there was people in boats on Lake Minnetonka on Christmas day, which is wow. unheard of. Okay. And it's been above freezing for like almost over a week straight in February. We've had several 40, 50 degree days this week. Ponds are almost opening. I mean, like it, I could potentially have my boat out uh, late February, early March, the way the weather's going, which there are some years it doesn't ice out until April, middle of May. April. Wow. I don't know. It's wild times up here. Man, it's wild times Must be everywhere. all the front facing sonar melting the, the ice. that just can't even freeze the lakes. It's, <laughs> it's ruining everything when you think about it. <laughs> It's ruining everything. I, I've got. I had a couple clips. I think I'll show this next episode of some of the Elite Series boats and MLF boat setups this year. It is off the chain. It is the wildest thing you've ever seen. Um, I'll give you a little hint that there is at least four active target or uh, scoping mechanisms on probably half of the elite series boats this year four on each boat it's it's unbelievable they're they're going transom uh you know scope and pulls by the throttles like it's, it's yeah un unbelievable in my opinion this will be the final year of no regulation that's my, my personal opinion this will be the final year of no electronics regulation i think we will see it happen in 2025 i'm not saying they're going to ban anything but i think you're going to see like some nascar type right. restrictor plates five, or, five or, total or, transducers 60 right. inches of screen whatever six unit i mean there's got to like be that. something right yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it, it i think 2025 will be the year for that uh because 2024 is nutso in the electronics. It's, it's a nutso in the electronics world all right man um we're gonna take a quick break uh, before we get into our feature angler spotlight with Tucker Smith. Rich, thanks again for being back on Bass Edge Radio. 
enjoy breaking down the events with you. Y'all stay tuned. We'll bring Rich back again. For the, I don't know about the next episode, but certainly next. We'll be back in a moment with more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. Since 1971, Basscap Boats has innovated, persistently thinking outside the box, never abandoning their roots or the commitment to quality through their process. Clearly visible in the new Puma STS, their design and development continues to evolve, improving performance, enhancing the angler's experience, and broadening the appeal of the sport they have dedicated their lives to. Basscap Boats, feel the... All right, here we go. Welcome back. As promised, here he is, Tucker Smith on the show, man. Great to sit down with this man for the Feature Angler Spotlight. BASS Opens EQ Points Leader. Already Tournament 1, Tucker. That's uh, that's great to see. Great to have you back on the show, man. It's been several years. Uh, last time we talked, you had like a half a million bucks burning a hole in your pocket. And uh, <laughs> that was from, the, of course, the uh, U.S. Open there with Bass Pro Shops. Um, man, thanks for being on the show. How have you been? Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, don't say leading the points. You're stressing me out already. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've, I've been good. I've been good. I've been fishing a bunch and, uh, you know, taking it step by step, turn by tournament. Hopefully, uh, this year's good for me. We'll see. Absolutely, man. Well, well, don't stress out. That's you're in the spot you want to be from the beginning all the way through the end. Uh, I know there's probably a ton of angles. You think about the investment. Obviously, you know what the investment is of nine tournaments and the Bassmaster EQs and some guys, some some guys that are pretty successful anglers had had a rough start. And uh, you can't have many of those in that system. So uh, it's always good to get off on the right foot. Certainly, you did that. Uh, and I appreciate man, it. Yeah, let's break that down, man. You uh, finished second place, right? And um, yes, sir. You, you, at Lake Okeechobee, springtime. Uh, you know, the cool thing with the opens this year, you've got the off limits period, a limited practice, which I know a lot of a lot of anglers like to see that to really kind of. Uh, even the field for guys that live in different places around the country. Of course, you're from Alabama. And um, have you fished Okeechobee a whole bunch before in the past? And secondarily, how did you go into your practice period to break down the lake? Yeah, so, no, I've I've never been to Okeechobee ever. Um, you know, I, I went and pre-practiced before off-limits and actually went and checked the lake out. And uh, just wanted to get a feel for it, you know, because that's a place that I was really worried about. I, uh, Florida, in you know, my history of fishing, I've done decent in Florida a couple times, but most of the time it's not always the best. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit, I was really worried at, at Florida, um, but it ended up being a really good event. You know, I, I went into it thinking um, I just want to make a check. I just want to catch some fish and get a check and move to the next one. Um, but ended up, uh, going and pre-practicing fishing, 
looking around, just kind of looked at the lake, honestly, to see like how it, how it sets up, seeing what the water looked like, um, you know, looking at the different vegetation. Cause it's a, it's an ocean out there, like huge lake. I've never seen, I've never seen something like that. I mean, you go out there in the middle, you can't see either sides of the banks. I mean, you right. just, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And then there's tons of grass and, but it's really, it fishes small, um, what I saw after getting out there, but yeah, man, I just really wanted to get around, um, some fish, but I wanted to get away from the crowd. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to fish bumper boats, um, uh, all day and flip a Senko and do a, you know, what everybody does. I wanted to go try to do what I'm comfortable with and try to get away from the crowd. So that's what I, that's what I ended up trying to do. And that's what I found. So is that stuff that you specifically looked for in that pre-practice period that then you were able to capitalize on during the tournament practice to dial it in and then ultimately, you know, have a second place finish out there? Um, no, actually, I never went to that place in pre-practice. So I didn't even know until actual practice of the tournament that I was going to go there. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was something that um, that I went to on, I think, like, it was like maybe the second or third day of practice, official practice. And we just went and checked it out and looked around. And uh, I'm tra I travel with Paul Marks, a uh, okay. really, really good angler. Um, and I've known him for a while now. But um, we were trying to break that lake down together and uh, try to, you know, try to figure it out as quick as we could. And uh, we ended up going to that place. And that's where we both were fishing in the tournament, uh, the canal, Rim Canal. And, uh, man, it was just, it was clear water and, uh, there was a lot of fish swimming around. Like it was different than all the other places. Um, a lot of the other places had a bunch of trash fish and that seemed to be the only place that we could find, uh, rim canal wise that had a lot of bass that we could catch. So it looked like you relied on a jerk bait and, and a small swim bait as, as primary, uh, lures during the event. Um, what was what was the setup like? Was that something where once you got there, you were looking for electronics fish, you know, a forward-facing sonar deal? Were you looking for a specific cover that just led you into a, another direction, or or what was the process that that led you to to that you know final understanding of the best ways to catch them over there? Yeah, you know, I really. Uh, I like looking at forward-facing sonar. That's that's something I've tuned in the last few years. I've really taken it seriously and gotten decent at it. And that's that's something that's you know the way the sport's going, you gotta you still gotta start using it at some places. But Okeechobee, you wouldn't think so. And uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, went in there uh, to that place in practice, and honestly just put the trolling motor down and started looking around and immediately like the water you could just tell was like a lot more clear than the whole lake and any other place. Um, so that was a good sign. And then after that, you know, started looking around with forward facing sonar. That's what I do a lot. Just kind of putting the trolling motor down, looking around, seeing what the forage looks like in the water, like seeing if there's a good bit of bait, seeing if there's fish swimming around active fish, um, you know, looking at the bottom, seeing how deep it is and everything. But so I was just kind of looking around and then ended up seeing some fish right when we put the boat in the water um, and cast <laughs> it over there. And, yeah, <laughs> cast it over there and caught caught a couple instantly, um, but nothing big. Um, and then was able to catch a few five pounders um, 
that uh that day and the next couple days and uh really just left it alone like i think um i might have gone in there like i think two days of practice I kind of just left it alone because I didn't want anybody to see that I was fishing in there. I don't know. I didn't want any anybody to see that place or see what we were doing because, I mean, I was fishing out there in the middle, and uh, and it, there's only a certain certain stretch that they were biting in. Um, so, um, but, yeah, it was it was crazy. We just came back in the tournament and uh, wasn't expecting much. You know, it, it seemed like those fish were pre-spawn and post-spawn um it seemed like those were you know fish that were moving in and out of those canals and they were staging out there feeding on bait there was a lot of shad and they were feeding on bait um but you could tell that some were skinny some were post-spawn some were fat and pre-spawn so it really was the best of both worlds very cool very cool yeah it was uh i guess a little bit exposure to that style of pattern last year with the elite series when uh tyler rivette you know kind of exploited that I guess he was kind of fishing more of a current indention area, that kind of thing, rather than just, mm-hmm. you know, strictly the canal. But it certainly showed that that was there. What kind of makes you personally tick so well in events, man? You, you've got a solid record, obviously, through college. Uh, you know, even last year, you know, as, you know, kind of started your open career and, and, and now really all in, you might say, with the EQs. Um, what do you think that it is that that's given you uh, this position and platform that you're in? Do you feel like maybe it was some momentum winning the U.S. Open, momentum from you know fishing in at Auburn and and doing so well in the college fishing? Uh, was it more youthful, you know, like high school uh, experience? What do you feel like you know it's kind of gotten you to this point today? Where in in my mind, you you're a guy that that people are looking at like okay this 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 kid can catch him <laughs> and uh you know he's he's got some momentum and uh of course if they didn't see it now or prior to the first eq event they see it now you're leading the points um what's making tucker smith tick to where he's having the opportunity to have the success that he that he's currently enjoying man that's that's a tough question you know i i really i really uh i don't know honestly First, I'd like to thank the good Lord. I mean, if I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it without him. And sure, um, I've been blessed. I've been blessed with good family that supports my fishing. Um, yeah, I, that's it's really fishing something that I've always done since I was little kid. So it's something that you know I've really taken a lot of time. I, I don't do anything but fish. Like you can ask anybody. I <laughs> I don't fit. I don't do anything but fish. I every day I fish. So, um, yeah, I, I really just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I try to be, you know, kind of quiet. I, I don't try to, you know, boast about things. Um, I try to just do my own thing, but I really just, I fish all the time and I've been blessed with, um, with really good fishing partners in the past, Logan Parks, Hayden Marbut. Um, you know, I've been blessed with those guys and, um, we've all, we've got our own little group of, of guys that are, that are really good fishermen. And we, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that just being around good fishermen and, you know, hanging out with those guys and, and fishing all the time. And I think that's, what's really just helped a lot. Um, and then knowing Amar, Aaron Martins, I, right. I learned from him, um, 
I didn't know him very long, um, but the short time that I did know him, you know, he's an incredible angler. Um, it was awesome just to sit in the boat and, and uh, learn from him. But really, man, I've just been been fishing hard. Um, Nose to the ground, know, getting it done. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the only way to do it. Um, you know, you can't catch somebody else's fish. You got to catch your own fish, and you got to put your time in to do it. So, um that's what I've been trying to do and hope it's been successful. Um, I hope that, I hope that the rest of the season's going, you know, goes well. Um, but yeah, I've really just, just been fishing hard, man. I know, I know you've had to have seen, uh, some, some of Logan's heartbreaks over the last several years and, and his, uh, experience to to finally qualify for the elite series and, and be a rookie in 2024. Um, so, so it, you know, you've, you've seen the tale of two tapes, right? I mean, you've seen the success and, and you've seen the struggles. So I'm sure that you're prepared to, to take those on, however they come at you. Um, wait, oh, yeah. let, let me, let's go back to Okeechobee a little bit or, or just a fishery in general. Um, you know, when you break down a fishery, do you have like a specific program um, to try to make it successful? Like when you go pre-practice Okeechobee, you go uh, maybe look at a, at a lake, you know, Obviously, uh, I don't know if you've been to a watch at all, the next open that's going to happen, but do you have a certain program that you're trying to implement to have this consistent performance, you know, hopefully, you know, event after event? Um, you know, really my goal is just find, you know, finding fish that are active, finding a giant population of fish that I can catch and, and really, I think the best way to do that is fishing offshore um, okay. these days. Um, I really just paid a lot of attention to my units recently. Um, I fish offshore uh, mostly year round. So I've just gotten really comfortable with it. And, uh, you, know, you know, like I, th I think like probably 80% of the bass are offshore, you know. So it's, uh, it's something that I've, that I've really spent a lot of time with. Um, I grew up fishing the bank and uh, on the Coosa River. That's that's a really cool place that I got to grow up yeah. at. Um, yeah, but, you even look at the MPFL uh, just recently. The um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot his name. I spoke about him earlier in the show, but um, the kid from Georgia, um, Will Hikins, Will Harkins, he uh, he won the MPFL over there at uh, Logan Martin fishing yeah. shallow. I know there was a ton of top 10, you know, guys fishing little flat sided crankbaits and, and uh, not even using forward facing sonar quite as much. But yep. then you go to Okeechobee, get a couple guys doing really well in some canals and some, some forward facing sonar, uh, deeper water situations on a shallow water impoundment. But then you got Scott Martin winning the tournament on, on forward facing sonar fishing bed and bass. So it's yeah. all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It is. It's crazy that the way that it's the sport's been going. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love fishing offshore. That's just what I'm comfortable doing. I like it. I like it. You, you know, there's so many people uh, early in bass fishing 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think it used to be early in the day that everybody was, was on the bank. And then, and then you started getting, you know, some of the, the the clon and and the fritz and and some of these other guys that really started exploring and and finding these bigger offshore schools do you think that you target that just because initially 
you were finding more bass there and you could catch more and have more fun? Or did you feel like, you know, that was like a legit tournament strategy that needed to be in place with with new technology? Obviously, you're a young angler, but, but it, you know, technology isn't so so young in your career. You've been able to follow it over the last four years pretty significantly. I'd say both. I'd say both for sure. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely fun catching fish offshore. I think it is. I think it's cause you can get, you know, fish fired up and catch a ton, but, um, yeah. And then definitely the way that everything's going with tournaments and the technology, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely important to pay attention to the way that technology is going and keep up with it. That's something that I tr- I've tried to do. Heck, I can e- I can't even really work a computer, but I can work a live scope unit. So <laughs> I just try to keep up with the fishing technology. That's fantastic, man. All right. Um, I know that you are currently just coming off the uh Bass Nation Championship there at Yafala. Um, do you feel that several anglers that are aspiring to be uh, aspiring to be pros aren't taking advantage of all potential avenues. I see a lot of you young anglers fishing everything, everything that's out there, any way to get to the classic, any way. There's some anglers that that are fishing the Toyotas plus the Invitationals on the MLF side, trying to get the BBT. Um, How do you prioritize what's good for Tucker as far as fishing events and time and effort of participation in the, the system or organizational standpoint in bass fishing? Yeah, I would say that uh, really the Opens are number one uh, right now. I'm, those nine tournaments are the most important to me. I'm, I've really just focused on that this year, and uh, all my time is going to really go towards that. And anything that fills in the gaps between that um, is fair game. So I know I'm fishing some tournaments between the, uh, between the times of the different uh, Opens, but, yeah, I'm really just focusing on those and uh, – I think that making the elite series is the biggest, the biggest goal to me. It's been the biggest goal my whole life. Um, watching those guys on TV, I want to do that. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest goal. So I'm going to take those the most seriously and really pay attention. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I know, you know, today was just through the second day of, of that event and, and you've got classical, qualifier uh adam rasmussen uh eq angler also you know but but all of these anglers now seem to be yeah all in on on every potential avenue that they can make it you know to the next level um you know kind of going back to that question but but maybe in a different way do you think it's obviously your priorities the opens but do you think it's important to add all these other platforms in order to try to you know whether it's the federation the nation or or, or whatever to try to increase your chances to make the professional angler uh goal you know realized yeah for sure i definitely i definitely think the more opportunities you have, the better. I think the more that you're on the water, the more you're learning, the more you're getting better. Every day that you're on the water, you're becoming a better angler. You're learning something that you didn't know before and and uh, you're improving your skills. So, yeah, I'd say definitely, you know, bigger tournaments like that, everything, it really helps just being there and honestly uh, seeing the water conditions, seeing the, you know, the way that you can catch fish. It It puts that in your brain and you remember that one day when you really need it. Very good. Very cool. Okay. Last question about this. So 
obviously you haven't fished in a lead event yet, but you've been in the opens. You've been in lots of big college events. Uh, you fished the big, you know, U.S. Open event there with Bass Pro Shops. Do you see a significant difference in ability or talent throughout that, or do you think it's just a simple matter of time? A guy's got enough time, or or a girl's got enough time to put into uh, obtaining a professional fishing career, and and talent is really across the board, or do you feel like it's significantly different throughout each level of competition? I think you got talent everywhere for sure. Um, every, every tournament series, every level of tournament fishing, I think there's, you know, the talent's unreal. There's, there's really good fishermen everywhere. MLF, Bassmaster, all, all the different trails, NPFL, there's talent everywhere. Um, um, but yeah, I would say that the, the higher the tournaments go, you know, the bigger the tournaments are, the, the higher the, uh, the competition is because, you know, those guys are taking every single step that you take is taking it more and more seriously and putting more and more money on the line. So those guys that, you know, are spending a lot of money on those, on those bigger tournaments, uh, they're really taking it seriously. So yeah, dude, you're not just going to throw 50 grand out the window just to throw it out the window so (laughs) that's awesome man all right man we're gonna we're gonna take a big a quick break uh but first we got to give a special thanks to bass cat boats being a part of bass edge radio and uh, man i'm excited for the second half of the interview we're gonna be back with more with tucker smith right here on this episode of bass edge radio come on man let's roll What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. We're back for the second half of our feature angler spotlight with BASS EQ angler Tucker Smith in the house. Tucker, man, thanks again for spending the time talking about spending time. Yes, let's, sir. Uh, let's, let's talk about spending more time on the water, something that, that you mentioned in the first half of the interview, and, and most anglers do, how important that is to your success and, and your growth as an angler. But, but speaking specifically about what's going on this time of year, here we are nearing mid-February transition of seasonal behavior patterns of bass, right, from winter to spring. Um, what's the most common thing that you recognize that provides a clue for you to kind of change focus on bass behavior from, you know, late winter patterns to pre-spawn and early spring patterns. What, what, what's going to, what do you, what clues are you going to see that's going to get you to change and, and maybe break you from 
from fishing offshore, even though I know you said that 80% of the time you like to be out there, but maybe you sneak in toward the bank in the pre-spawn period. And if so, uh, what's, what's going to lead you that way? Um, you know, that's, that's a good question. I, it really depends on the lake that you're at. Honestly. Um, it depends, you know, Tennessee river, um, you know, you got all these different lakes up North and, there's all kinds of different bodies of water and the fish kind of act differently on every single one. Um, but like I was saying with the offshore fishing, you know, I really pay attention to the electronics. That's the biggest thing to, um, that I do. And, uh, I really look at side scan a lot, side scan and down scan. And, uh, the biggest, the biggest thing for me is I try to find groups of fish, um, groups of active fish, and uh, generally, you're going to be able to find those on side scan and down scan. And so, uh, you know, right now, it seems like those fish are starting to starting to go closer to the bank. They're starting to go towards the creeks. Um, and so, you'll, gonna, you'll, so what you're saying, are you going to stay out deep until you see those schools that you love to target start to break up? Yeah, yes, sir. I'm a... Uh, I really just honestly fish around and see where the majority of the fish is that day. It seems like just like, you know, a flick of a uh, flick of a switch and everything could be completely changed. Um, especially these lakes around here, like you follow, you've got one day where you don't see anything on a place and then you come back the next day and there's a hundred there. Um, so yeah. So you really just have to stay on your toes. I don't ever try to set myself like, on one like hey they're moving to moving here we're just gonna fish here we're gonna fish on this this uh section of the lake i always try to keep my options open i fish um all kinds of different um different scenarios in a day and just see what's working the best um you know like right right now it seems like those fish are moving back in those creeks but you know i might still fish fish some stuff on the main lake just to see if there's still some stragglers behind that are big you know so you never really know, um, but I just try to find the majority population and see where they're at, and then uh, I usually try to replicate that. Nice. From from a transitional plan of, of how you'll progress uh, from the bass moving from the deep to shallow water, is that just, you know, a bait orientation thing where, where you're just going to, okay, you're, you're focusing on this deep water deal or, or you're looking back and forth from shallow to deep. You got what left side deep rods and the right side shallow rods. And, and, and if that's the plan, how, how, what makes you decide to go one place or another? Is it, is it, you know, you said day to day, you could find a hundred here. Is it just random luck? Like you just decided to go out deep this day and shallow that day or, or how, how does that decision process click for you? Uh, honestly, or you really, really just I... trying a little bit here and there every day. Maybe that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it just like, it really just depends on the lake, honestly. Um, okay. but I'm I'm really what trying to What type of lakes would you say would do one versus the other? Like obviously uh a Wachita, right? Kind of a deeper mountain lake and and things might progress a little bit slowly where whereas, you know, I think your home lake's Logan, right? Logan Martin? It is. Yes, and, sir. And then maybe things might progress a little bit faster on a on a impoundment like Logan Martin. How do you 
How do you kind of tweak that, obviously, style of leg versus what Tucker's going to do on a specific day? Yeah, um, you know, like, it really depends. Um, at, at Logan Martin, honestly, at that leg, the, they raise the water every every spring. Um, so, really, whenever that water comes up, that's when I start fishing shallower and shallower. Um, so for that place, whenever they pull that water back up, the shallow fishing gets really good. Gotcha. Um, and then that's when I try to go to the bank. If the water's low, uh, I usually stay offshore. Um, and like out here at Ufala, the water was high, but there were still people catching them offshore, but there was also some people catching them shallow cause that water came up. Um, but really I always try to find a way to catch them offshore because yeah. if you can find a way to catch them offshore, you're going to be around the majority population you're gonna um you're gonna be around bigger fish just because you're gonna have you know an area where those fish are coming and going and they're gonna have to stop there you know they don't really have a choice when when you're fishing shallow you've got one place when you're yeah. or one one scenario basically you got those fish coming up there to do their thing if you're fishing off the bank you got two scenarios you got them coming in and coming out so um so it's really just the best of both worlds. And that's why I try to do, um, I try to find a group of fish and I usually just try to find an area of the lake that's got more fish than the others. You know, usually there's an area of the lake that's popping off and, uh, usually that you can find that area and then you can break down different patterns in that area of the lake. Um, that's what I do a lot is, is find the area that's, that they're really biting in. Um, that seems like it has the majority of the fish. And then I usually try to find different patterns in that area of the lake and, uh, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Because if you got to run those different plans, then you've got backups. Right, right. Man, you really broke that down really well, I think, for the listeners to understand that, you know, the focus of your thought process of of want to stay deep versus shallow and, and how you determine that. I thought that was great. How do you determine how, how do you figure out which area of the lake's popping off? Are you splitting it up like the traditional fundamental way, three sections of the lake? You got kind of the upriver, mid lake, and down lake. And then are you looking at all three scenarios throughout practice? Or how do you how do you break down locating the area of the lake, as you mentioned, that's popping off on, on a specific week? Um, it really depends on how big the lake is. You know, if it's a really big lake, then... I might spend more time like around the bigger section of the lake and try to break that side down. Um, but what I do usually do is, uh, is take that, take it like that and do sections and see which, which part of the lake is fishing the best. And then, um, and then after that, you know, decide from there, which, uh, which part of the lake to spend mo most of your practice on. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say that's that's basically what I do. Very cool. All right, let's hit up some baits, man. You're you're a deep water guy. You love the deep water uh, fulfillment of fish coming and going, which makes perfect sense. What kind of baits uh, do you try to rely on? If you had three baits, you know, in kind of this transitional period, you know, late winter, early spring, what do you feel like are the three baits that's going to trigger the bites potentially most common for you? three baits um jig head minnow 
<laughs> it seems like it seems like nowadays that's what everyone's throwing. I don't know if you read uh, or or looked at the MLF Toledo Bend event and uh, things that were going on down there. But out of the top ten, I think there was one jerk bait in the top ten, and and everybody else was throwing a jig head minnow. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> that's crazy, crazy. I wish but, the, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I would definitely say. Uh, I would say Demiki rig of some sort. Um, you know, I, I, with Picasso lures, I came out with a speed drop, which is basically, oh, cool. um, a lead jig head. That's really nice. It's got a double bait keeper, um, really good paint job, 604 Gamagatsu hook in it. So it's a super strong hook for a little bait. And it, uh, it's also not a thick diameter, so it hooks them good. So, uh, definitely have something like that in the boat, okay. you know, um, you can kind of fish around suspended fish. You can fish all different sections of the water with a bait like that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, also jerk bait, honestly, jerk bait right now, um, especially as the bait's moving around and you're fishing around brush, you're fishing around, you know, docks, you can fish around anything with a jerk bait. Um, and then you could also throw different jerk baits out there, um, the scope stick. I threw that in Florida uh, a good bit, and uh, with their with their bait, you can actually you know pick which uh, which depth it sinks to. I think they they put like different weights inside of it and different bills, so it's uh, I could actually sink like you know one model sinks four to six feet, one's two to two to three, and then one's like six to nine, one's like nine plus. So you got a wow. bunch of different options. Um, so yeah, I would say that, and then um, I'm trying to think. If I had one more, it'd probably probably just be a jig, honestly. A jig, um, because you, yeah. for sure, because you can do a lot of different things with that, um, and I feel like you you know obviously get really big bites with a jig, and you can cover water. Um, so yeah, I would say a jig. Um, it seems like right now, uh, jig's been a jig's been pretty good um, around the house. So definitely a jig. Very cool. All right. So I, this is a funny thing I think about all the time nowadays. And uh, I'm in the tackle retail business as well. I work for for a Hayabusa, and uh, I feel like at some point. If we keep rolling with this forward facing sonar, every tackle stop is just going to have jig heads and plastic minnows. <laughs> where, where do you think we're headed in that direction? Or do you think, uh, obviously you mentioned jig uh, and, and you did mention the Demiki rig, which is basically a jig head minnow. And then your third bait there was uh, jerk bait. So um, do you think there's just going to be some more innovation uh, like the scope minnow and, and that kind of thing to, to really allow anglers to dictate, you know, the place or time of, you know, suspended fish and, and how to capitalize on catching those more effectively. With oh, there'll be new stuff. There'll be new stuff. Look at Japan. They've already been through that phase and they've already used it. Now they're on to other stuff. They heart, I mean, right. they still use it, but they don't use it as much anymore because it's kind of an older thing. So, um, you know, really, I always just look at Japan. I mean, they're two, three years in advance of everything that we're doing. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say there's more stuff coming. I would say a lot more soft plastics, probably. That soft plastic seems to be um, 
seems to be, you know, a way to get those pressured fish to bite. The more people fish, the more pressured it's going to get and the more finesse you're going to have to go probably, or the bigger you're going to have to go. So, um, but you know, those traditional baits always work and they still win year round. Um, so you never really know. Um, but I think there's definitely going to be some new stuff coming out that we're just going to have to keep adapting to it. You know, eventually they'll, you know, they won't eat one thing and they're going to eat something else. So I'm going to take a quick step since we went finesse and, uh, um, obviously you were able to spend some quality time with Aaron Martins before he passed away. You mentioned it already in the interview. If there was one kind of, you know, obviously Aaron was the guru of finesse, uh, to a, to a degree and uh, very specific on his tackle and, and just a very unique individual in, in so many ways. What was it that, that, uh, Aaron, if he, if he gave you one or two tips from understanding his approach and why he approached fishing that way. I remember this is the one thing I remember about Aaron specifically is he would always tell me, I hate throwing a drop shot. I'm t I just hate, you know why he hated throwing a drop shot was because he caught too many fish on and he couldn't keep it out of his hands. <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. he hated a drop shot. Exactly. He wouldn't tell anybody that, but he would just say, man, I don't like throwing a drop shot because he couldn't quit throwing it in a lot of, in a lot of respects. But did he give you any, any uh, tips as you were a young angler, youth angler at that time um, that really affected and, and had, had a profound, um, you know, meaning to you now today as, as you prepare to take on this next step in your career? For sure. I mean, countless, countless things that I could spend, you know, hours talking about. Um, right. But if honestly, one or two highlights, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, in a more meaningful standpoint, the, one of the biggest things that Amart taught me was, to make sure to have fun, you know, while you're fishing and, uh, don't take anything for granted. You know, I, Amart was amazing and, um, and his natural ability to fish and everything and the healthiest guy you could, you could ever imagine. Um, yep. so we just can't take it for granted. You know, we gotta, um, know that we're blessed and, um, and, you know, just live every day. Like it's a new day and be happy for it because, you never know. And, uh, so I would definitely say, you know, have fun with it and, uh, don't get too frustrated. Um, losing fish is very frustrating and I'll, I'll say I get frustrated, but I've, I try to keep my cool, you know, because there's not really, when you look back at it, there's, there's no point. If you're not meant to have that fish in the boat, then you're not meant to have that fish in the boat. Um, right. but I would say another thing is, uh, is really, Amart was really up to the up to date with the technology um and that's that's kind of where I took it um uh so yeah I mean he was on Garmin uh using a Garmin for a little bit when I knew him and he told me he said this is the next big thing like you need to get good with it and uh and I spent the next three years dialing it in and uh and i've caught some fish on it so it's really <laughs> he he said uh he said you know stay with the technology and keep learning i like it i like it great great advice right there especially have fun man have fun so so important um for sure i, I, I can remember some fish i've caught that that i wasn't you know 
uh, proud of or, or thought I needed something different. But but uh, when it's all said and done, everyone you catch is fun. And if you can smile about it and keep it, even if you don't catch them, just keep it fun. That's that's what it's all about. So, all right. Um, exactly. Over the, over the next uh, events. For the for the Bassmaster EQs, your priority this year, you're looking at a Wachita, Santee, and then you got to have this one, you know, big chalked up on your calendar. But then you'll be at Logan Martin. Um, what are you most looking forward to in each event? I think we're going to see uh, in all three of those, you know, a Wachita being, you know, in a, in a couple weeks, still probably going to be kind of cold up there. Santee being a warm you know, warmer climate, it's shallow water fishery. And then of course your home lake isn't, isn't until May, but, uh, Logan Martin, um, you know, break down a little bit through our, our discussion in that we've already actually had in the podcast of what you're looking forward to most out of these, these next couple of events of Wachita and Santee Cooper. Um, you mean like what am I looking forward to the most about the lakes or just yeah. the schedule in general or the lakes, the schedule in general? Um, are you going to be able to get out and pre-practice and, and take a look at them? I don't even know if the Wachita might be off limits already. I, I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Of the dates, it is. But, but it yeah, is. what are you looking forward to most about those events to kind of keep this momentum, you know, going that you, you've created through Okeechobee? I'm I'm honestly just excited to go fish new places. I feel like I do the best when I've never been to a place before and I can just go with an open mind and figure it out. Um, just like Okeechobee, I'd never been there before. Um, and I really just figured out the way that those fish were biting that week for me and uh, was able to catch them. But uh, yeah, I really just like going to new places, traveling around. I've, I've never been to Santee Cooper for, um, and I've never been to Wachita. Wow, um, I've been to Logan Martin though, so I'll be able to sleep in my own <laughs> bed at that one. Um, which that one's going to be tough with all those boats out there. Um, cause it's not a huge lake, and, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited for the season and looking forward to all the lakes, honestly, cause especially smallmouth Leech Lake and St. Clair, that's going to be a blast. Um, yeah. There should be catching those things to watch for sure it'll be interesting to see how leach kind of reacts to to the big field and how people spread out up there as well it's uh it's a huge fishery so and there's so many ways to to go you know shallow deep you know whatever and mm-hmm. uh, that time of year is going to be a kind of a transitional I've, i feel like time mm-hmm. of year to be up there so it'll be fun to watch man well tucker i appreciate you coming back with us on bass edge radio it's been such a long time if uh if you have any final thoughts for the listeners want to throw that out to you at this point and uh just kind of any close remarks you got for uh bass edge radio yeah thank you for having me um I would say, honestly, to all the young fishermen out there that are wanting to take it to the next step and fish and um, and do it for a living is really go to college, fish in college, and, uh, and learn a lot from that. You know, traveling around the country through that is, is stuff that I'm really excited and happy that I did because being able to go to those different lakes and learn so much, um, that's really important. You, Spending a lot of time on the water is really key. Um, I'm not saying I have everything figured out, um, but I just like to fish all the time. And if you want to do it, fish all the time. So, yep. 
Awesome, man. Well, that's great advice. I thank you, man, again, for joining us for another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Tucker, we're going to be watching how the uh, remainder of the EQ season presents itself. Maybe we'll have you on again. Hopefully, uh, maybe Hopefully. mid-season we can, we can revisit where you've been and how things are going. Everybody else, stay tuned. We're going to be back with some closing thoughts right here in just a moment with more Bass Edge Radio. The newest addition to the BassCat STS family is here. Introducing the Caracal STS, showcasing aggressive styling, paired with enhanced performance, and a continued dedication to raising the bar. Measuring in at 20 feet 2 inches with an ultra-wide 96-inch beam and rated for a 250 to 300 horsepower engine, the Caracal STS boasts agility and speed and is finished with premium features to satisfy any angler. Fast Cat Boats. Feel the rush. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Here we are, back, back, back. Let's get some hype intro music going right here. Tucker Smith with us. As a featured angler on this episode, that was such a fun interview. Really enjoyed him being on the program. Guy's really just matured into uh, his own in so many ways since uh, he won the U.S. Open uh, with Bass Pro Shop several, well, just a couple years ago. But uh, it was it was uh, it was really interesting to hear his approach to um, fishing in general. I think it has that youthful approach. Obviously, forward-facing sonar being a big piece of his game. Uh, he'll catch them shallow, but, uh, man, he loves the offshore and, and, and likes it for a lot of reasons. I think a lot of reasons that we've heard 10, 15 years ago, but now reasons that we can see on, on sonar, forward-facing sonar, and really uh, adapt to catching more fish in a tournament strategy or if you're just out there looking to catch some fish for fun. Um, also interesting how he talked about uh, fish moving so much and, and how we really didn't know that before because we just didn't know if they were down there, um, you know, on this brush pile or on this ledge and they weren't biting or, you know, just weren't exactly sure how many fish were living there. Now we can see them so much better and uh, gives him the opportunity and ability to move around a little bit more um, to, to really understand is there fish there? Are they not there? And really determine that pretty quickly throughout the day so he can make those adjustments to be successful. Um, wow. Uh, what a what a huge episode of Bass Edge Radio. I got to say, again, thanks to Rich for coming on in the beginning and kind of breaking down those, those most recent events. Uh, we talked about some recent events that were coming up. Of course, uh, right now going on, make sure you check it out over at MLF, the uh, Sam Rayburn Reservoir MLF Invitational. Uh, final day is going to be Sunday, I believe. It's a three-day event, and... Um, so, yeah, we're looking at Sunday as the final event there, final day. So be sure to check that out. Uh, should be some big fish caught. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but a share of Lunker caught there in practice, 1382 by Alec Morrison. That was fun to see. Then, um, I mean, let's see, Valentine's Day. 
uh, kicking off Lake Gunnersville. I'm sure all all the uh, all the girls <laughs> boyfriends are excited about that one. Uh, Lake Gunnersville kicking off Valentine's Day, February 14 through 16. That's MLF Toyota Series event. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Tucker. Uh, they're going to be at Lake Awachital. That event's going to be going on in the Bassmaster Opens, February 15 through 17. Uh, man, a little bit later on in this month, Bass Pro Tour kicking off. Event number two at Santee Cooper. That should be a fun event. And then uh, a redo at Sam Rayburn with the MLF Toyota Series, Feb 21 through 23. So keep those on your radar. Um, and uh, Bass Nation Championship is going to be decided tomorrow. That'll be uh, completed by the time this podcast goes. But be sure you check that out. Tucker talked a little bit about how fish were in transition there. A lot of fish starting to move to the back of some pockets. Uh, we've had a warm, warm spring it feels like over you know just like the last week or so the whole country's kind of warmed up how is that going to affect springtime behavior bassing all over the place we'll find out here in the next couple weeks we're going to report about it talk about it right here on bass edge radio man we're going to keep hopefully dialing you in on ways to approach bassing to catch more bass as well as continue talking about the latest happenings out there on the tournament trail with Bass Edge Radio. That's going to do it for us. Make sure you be back with us for our late February edition. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, maybe check back for a special episode. We're going to try to get a feature angler on here in the next uh, next week or so. But certainly after those uh, upcoming events conclude that I already mentioned, we'll have lots more to talk about those events and uh, finally, um, another feature angler spotlight coming on later in the month. We'll talk to another winner or at least high-placing angler in some of these events we've discussed. Thanks again, Tucker Smith, for sharing your bass and education this episode. Hit that subscribe button. Be sure to check us out on all those social media platforms. Adios. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bass Edge Radio.